Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Coming up on this episode of Barbecue and Tech, episode two, is it insane to remove the membrane? I'm your host, Rod Simmons, joined by my partner in crime, and I shouldn't even say co-host because he is truly the host of the show, Chris Ashley. Say what's up, Chris. What up, what up? I love playing second fiddle. I'm good. I'm good with the second chair, man. I'm the Oh, well, considering you do most of the talking, you at least get, they say, well, why don't you handle the intro and then just shut up until the end when I get done talking? <laughs> Imagine if I was that arrogant. No, man, we've been doing this for together for years and years. And uh, yeah, no, that's not how we roll. You know. All right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about ribs. Uh, yes. And I know that you've. So you have a and again, I'm going to get off topic for just a second, even though we're just starting to show. I'm not going to call you OCD. Actually, you are OCD. When it comes to certain things, you have a nature of you want to perfect it. So it doesn't yeah. matter what it is. If you, if I told you to try to figure out how to smoke bison ribs or something like that, you're going to make it one time. You're going to start off with like, you know, keep it basic, keep it simple. Yep. Salt, pepper, whatever it might be. And then you're going to continue to start trying to ramp it up and perfect it over time. And I'd probably say, that's you had that journey. ribs are probably an easy place to have that journey on and you've had that journey with ribs yeah for sure it, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing right a curse and a blessing because on one hand it's like you know I, I will keep going until i get it right and then i start making some pretty decent uh food right but at the same time it costs a lot of money if uh especially if i have one that i think is perfect and it's not and it, so it's like all I can think about is I got to do ribs again. I got to do ribs again. It it just didn't hit my mark, you know. And so I don't know. It's kind of funny in some regard because it's not just with food, <laughs> as you know very well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely with smoking. You know, uh, I've done I've done ribs probably every week when I first started out, probably for a good three months. Uh, just to get the process down and try and try and try different things to figure out. Cause when you, when we talk about getting the process down, it's not just a process, it's your process. So you got to kind of kind of come to terms with this is what I like. And then once you get it to the point of here's what I like, now you got to solidify it. So now I got to repeat this process over and over and over again until it's second nature. So, so, do you ever take an attempt at processes that you think are just 
bogus, like, or just don't work? Like, like, I mean, cause you hear something and people say, these ribs are great. Like, I just love them. Like you're watching like a cooking show and they're like, these are just amazing ribs. But you're like, that process doesn't make sense. Do you try even the insane things? And before you pass out, I'm talking about boiling ribs. <laughs> I've eaten boil. So, you know, we, we joke about boiled ribs and, uh, it's, the, the reality is they don't taste bad. <laughs> you know, I've had boiled ribs before and uh, they didn't taste awful, but they were, they were loaded with barbecue sauce and everything else at the end of the day. And once you sear the outside on a grill, you, you really will get that charring taste on the outside. And you know, they're not the worst things in the world yet. As much as we like to joke about, it. it's just easy. Right. And that's, that's where all the, you, the hate comes in is what is just you. There's nothing difficult about throwing meat in boiling water uh, and then grilling it, you know. So that's what this, uh, you know, I, sh- I should probably point that out. But I, for me, the the smoke flavor, the the nice bark you get on the outside, the tenderness you get on on the rib, the color, the there's so much that comes into play, right? Because you get that smoke ring on your food when you smoke it for over a long period of time is it's a chemical reaction and you're not going to get that when you boil them. So all of those things to me, the visual aspect, as well as the, uh, the, the taste, the experience is what I enjoy with barbecue is not just, is not just, uh, you know, does it taste good? It's so much more to that to me and, uh, and being intricately involved in the process of creating that is what, is so enjoyable uh, from from my perspective, and then finding out here's the tools that I can use to facilitate that and make it a better rib. Um, because I went through the trials and tribulations: do I want to remove the membrane off the back of a rib, or do I want to leave it on? And um, it's so much easier to leave it on. All right, you just take it, throw it on a on a on a smoker, and you walk away. But the eating experience is absolute trash when you're done. So. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you because I'm sure a lot of people sitting here like, what are you talking about? Remove the memory. But before we get to what are you talking about? Remove the memory. Cause we are, we are, I think we have a video that shows how to remove the memory, which will be linked in this show notes. Um, at some point, we, right? At some point. <laughs> um, but as it relates to the membrane, you ate ribs bef- before you knew about removing the membrane, you would eat ribs and they tasted yep. fine. But now is it now that you know about the membrane, you can taste the difference between with and without membrane? Well, it's not a taste thing, right? Because you would never eat that. Mem- well, I wouldn't say never because people are different, but it I've definitely been to a cookout where somebody has taken ribs. They've grilled them all day and they did not remove the membrane um, because a lot of people would just expect that it's going to burn up or cook up and just be out of there and you're just really eating the rib from one side. But if that membrane membrane goes from one side to the other uh, on the back of a, a rib. So generally, if you bite through a rib bone or, or you know an individual rib, your bottom of your teeth are going to hit that membrane. So I've definitely been to cookouts where the membrane was still there. I've cooked ribs where I didn't early on when I was learning. And I just couldn't be bothered with removing the rib, the membrane because it's a pain. It's a, it's a pain in the butt to do. And, uh, so, but once I learned how to remove it, uh, repeatedly, yep. It, it's a no brainer to me now because 100% the experience 
of eating a rib with with that membrane removed is better. But, you know, there's caveats to that, right? Because it does depend on the type of rib you're cooking. So what I mean by that. So for because I became so adept at removing the membrane off of uh, pork ribs, it's just what I do. So when I started getting into doing beef ribs, which I absolutely enjoy uh, eating and smoking, uh, I would remove the membrane off of that. But as I continue to do my research, finding what some of these professionals do, uh, I, I started to realize that some of them do not remove the membrane off of a beef rib because there is no meat on the backside of a beef rib, right? All the meat sits on the top. And so for what they do is for aesthetics and for, yeah, for eating experience so that when you bite into the rib bone on the, from a beef rib, it doesn't just fall off the bone. Um, you know, it, it actually can stay on there. So they will actually leave the membrane on the beef rib and cook it that way. So I actually tried it and hundred percent, it is different, right? Because when I, you know, I end up cooking a beef rib for, Oh, hours and hours and hours. When it's done, that meat is super tender. It's super juicy, but it doesn't stay on the bone. So it'll stay on the bone for, you know, for presentation purposes. But the moment you take a bite, it's coming off. All right. So when you do beef ribs, I'm talking, are you talking plate ribs or what are you talking when you're talking beef ribs? So unfortunately, like I, I have never been able to find a place that sells plate ribs. And so for folks that don't really know the difference, and I'm still learning this stuff too. Well, you know, we're all going to take this journey together, but the plate ribs actually has a bit more meat on it. Um, I believe it has some of the, uh, the prime rib portion on it as yep. well. And so it's significantly thicker. So when you see like a lot of these videos where people are doing beef ribs and they got this thing that looks like it came right out of the Flintstones, that's probably a plate rib. <laughs> uh, but what you tend to find are the short ribs where it's just a, a, a lesser meat on there. Um, and you can find and a lot of times when you go to your local butcher, butcher, they'll take those plate ribs and they'll cut them in half. So they're even smaller. My butcher, fortunately, leaves the entire bone intact. They just don't have the top meat or portion attached to it. Uh, so I'm still on the search for that. So I've never done plate ribs. I'm dying to. They probably uh, laugh as you leave thinking he thinks he's going to get our good plate ribs <laughs> for ourselves. I asked them if they can get it and they said they not. they're not sure. But I, the hunt continues. Uh, for it because I would definitely love to smoke uh, uh, some plate ribs. All right. So today are you, I'm assuming we're just talking about pork ribs and when it comes into pork ribs, are you, what is your go-to baby back St. Louis? What, what, where, where are you at within the realm? Cause again, like there's so many options and why do you choose one over the other? That's a very interesting question. Um, so for me, I enjoy both very much. I enjoy baby back, uh, which is like the smaller cut. And then I enjoy the the St. Louis cut ribs uh, is what I enjoy more. And simply because they are a bit meatier. Um, But the and honestly, people, you would think the process of cooking spare ribs, excuse me, that's what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My brain was dying on trying to remember that one. Getting old sucks, man. But uh, <laughs> the uh, you would think the process is the same, except you would cook one a shorter time. But I don't know. I, I've been tr- working on the last year trying to perfect the baby back rib. And I haven't come across, I have not, in my opinion, come across 
I, the solid process of this is how I'm doing my baby back because I mainly because they're less meaty. Yeah, I think that's part of it is uh, they're smaller. They cook faster. Uh, and so and, you know, I want to I, I like to wrap my ribs. So I, I tend to follow the the basic methods of two, two hours in the smoker unwrapped and, you know, one to two hours wrapped and then another final hour uh, unwrapped, just kind of tightening up the, the, the outside and the, whatever sauce you put on it, if you if you put sauce on it. Uh, so I tend to follow that. And then I adjust accordingly. Um, and this one thing people should take away is, you know, if, if even if I gave you like a a uh, a basic method of how to cook something, you really got to use your eyes and use your your touch and your feel, the feeling of the meat. Um, get acquainted how it felt when you took it off the smoker. Uh, and how much you liked it, how much you didn't like it, because a lot of times you you may your times may say one thing, but your eyes are literally telling you it's time to do something else. Right. So like if you take a brisket, for example, and I like to wrap in the stall around 165. But if I'm looking at that brisket and I don't like it's not that I don't like the color, but it's not I don't like the bark. It's, and I want the bark to be a little bit darker and a little bit more set. I'm not going to wrap. Because once you wrap, you, you're not really creating that bark anymore. So I'll leave it until I see what I want. And the same thing with ribs, right? I don't normally temp my ribs. You can. Um, and, you know, if you, usually done around 195 is the tenderness that you want. But I don't normally temp them. I usually pick them up, kind of feel how they bend and you know, try to memorize how they feel. So with with the with the baby back ribs, I don't necessarily get the same feeling yet. I don't have things memorized. This is what I like. Uh, and uh, oftentimes what I find is I tend to overcook my baby back ribs uh, to the point uh, that they annoy me. Are they good? Yes. Do they taste good? Yes. But are they where I want them to be? Not really. They're kind of chalky. You've overcooked them? No. We chalky. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I was like, he's not picking up on my joke here. This is like, awful. Well, once again, you hit me with a joke that kind of just hit me in the back of the head. I was like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> talking what? In my kitchen? No way. No, it, Sorry, because when you were saying like, you know, you tend to overcook them a little bit. I, re, I was just, my brain went back to sitting with my kids watching an episode of uh, Naked and Afraid. And a guy was cooking a snake. And when they went to, it was like, they took the snake after they cooked it because he was trying to make sure they cooked it a lot. And they could bang it on the ground. And then when they tried to bite into it, it was like honestly eating chalk because they had oh just literally burned it. And it was like, of course, in that show, they're dying for food, right? Sure. So um, no what, <laughs> what they yeah. overcook the food they catch is like, it's just a travesty. So, sorry, I was just making a joke there. No, um, that was hilarious. So with your, with your ribs, do you, have you ever tried injecting just to see if like you can get anything else in there between bones? Yes. I've tried uh, marinating ribs. I've tried injecting them. I've tried using Ziploc bags to marinate them. I've never done a uh, uh, where you remove the air vacuum seal. I've never done that. And uh, what I find is, to me, they don't add enough to the flavor to make it worth worth my while. So generally, uh, I don't do any of those things. I don't soak them. I don't don't inject. What I will do is I will spray my ribs, though. So when it comes to uh, what, you know, and when we talk about the, the technology we use to cook certain things, 
uh, what you will find is sometimes it'll be high tech and sometimes it'll be low tech. And uh, so, Rod, you've cooked a lot of ribs as well. Yes. And um, did, did have you ever injected your ribs? I haven't. Uh, I, and as many times I've considered it, I've what I've found when I like. And mind you, we've tried all types of different ways to inject anything. And what I found with because the ribs, you take you tend to be dealing with them when they're cold. Mm-hmm. And you want to inject something in there that's going to stay, but because the meat is so tight, as you mm-hmm. try to push something in, it's just wanting to come right back out. So when I've tried at least inject, I think I got through like maybe one or two bones, and I'm like, everything is everything I'm putting in is coming back out. And then of course you try to do butter with it. And what happens is you put the in syringe in. And because it's cold, the butter's starting to try to come through as warm, and then it seizes up in there, and then you just want to throw everything against the wall because you're so frustrated. So, for me, no, I've never, I've never had any success with injecting ribs. I just, okay. I figure, I, I got to do all my stuff now. Do you spray as you're cooking to try definitely. to keep them moist? Because I definitely do. Yeah, definitely spray. And, uh, and what so, do you? I I use apple juice vinegar mix. What are you using? Same. I will do apple juice, vinegar, and a hot sauce. Uh, you know, uh, doesn't matter what hot sauce. We just find one you like and, um, be careful because I tend to use a regular sprayer from like a Home Depot. You know, I'll wash it and clean it out. And then I'll do like a 30, 30, 30 hot sauce, uh, uh, distilled vinegar and, uh, and apple juice. And just keep it simple. And the goal of that is just to keep the top of the meat moist. And at the same time, uh, just impart a little bit of flavor uh, while it's cooking as well. Yeah, I, I go I go apple cider vinegar. Oh, that's so interesting. I, same thing with you, but I just the only substitute I'll do is apple cider vinegar. And I I tend to go apple juice, apple cider vinegar, and I try to go with a very high quality apple juice when mm-hmm. I do it. Like I don't just get Definitely. garbage. High quality apple juice. I go fifty fifty, um, but it's the the apple cider vinegar. And I, I'll agree with you on that. Like if you any spray bottle you kind of know is the more you open it up, the more it gets to a direct jet spray. And if you spray it like that, it's just knocking all the seasoning off. Exactly meat. right. It starts messing up the bark on that hundred percent. So be careful. You wanna- yeah. You want it thin. Uh, and I'm still hunting for the best spray bottle. I've had some where you pump them and use them. Um, I've had just a regular old spray bottles you would get from home Depot. I've had like, uh, little fancy ones from Bed Bath and Beyond, and honestly, so far, just a regular spray bottle has been the best so far. But I'm still on the hunt for that perfect spray bottle because you know what it, I think it's going to be for that perfect spray bottle. And try to honestly go to Home Depot or Lowe's, um, preferably Lowe's, and when you're in there, look for like um the spray bottles you use like when you're doing like killing weeds, like where they sell you the bottle and you put your own chemicals in and mix and mix it like the chemical plus the water. And then you spray weeds, Mm -hmm. but those bottles, because you're, you essentially pump and then you adjust the nozzle so that you can spray and you can just put your apple juice, put this in here, pump, get the pressure going and then just spray your meat. And they, I mean, as you know, if you've ever used one of those bottles, that sprayer lasts a long time. The, The challenge that, as I think of it, when I'm doing ribs, yeah, I might be doing two racks. I mean, that's designed for like the competition person who might have like eight racks of ribs going or 10 racks of ribs going and they're spraying a lot of different things with uh, the same, um, the same yeah. type of liquid. Yeah. I had one like that. And I don't remember why I ended up stopped using, I think it, it, the problem is when they stop working, it's, it's a lot to try to figure out, you know, what's wrong uh, yep. and, and replacing the nozzle, like the, 
the so for the regular ones that I get, you know, I can buy six of them. They're like a dollar ninety nine. You know, for those, those are usually you know ten, you know, fifteen dollars. And so you don't have a, additional nozzles readily available if it gets clogged and then stops working or the pump system. So I think that's kind of why I, I do like what you suggested, and I do use I have used them and enjoyed them. It's just when they get if there's anything that clogs it up, then it becomes a bit more of a pain to deal with. And sometimes when you're smoking food, you don't always have time to just go run to the grocery store or run to you know, your local uh, spot and grab another one. So, um, but yeah, definitely a great suggestion. They do make things a lot easier. Yeah. So I prefer spare ribs in, in the end. I, I do prefer uh, smoking spare ribs, but I am practicing my baby back rib. Um, and one, one of the things I'm trying to decide on my baby back is do I want to wrap or do I want to smoke the whole way through? Um, and some people are completely against wrapping ribs. I, I like to wrap them. I don't wrap them in butcher paper. I actually use foil. Uh, when I wrap my ribs, to me, there's just no need to use butcher paper for them. That, that's that's spare ribs. And uh, I've done entire spare ribs. And then I was also, I've also cut off the back portion of it to make them uh, into uh, the St. Louis cut, where you cut off that uh, kind of what you would get in a riblet order. Um, I cut that piece off and I, I like to use it for chili or something else. Um, All right. So it's just circling back to the, the, cause we talked about the membrane. Yeah. Ex- walk me through. Uh, and I know that no one can visualize this. And we, again, we will have a short video that shows you cause Chris is, he showed me how to remove the membrane. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. But it, it's funny. Cause if you dig too deep, you're you're messing with the wrong part, but like it's it's like you got to get the perfect layer. But w- what's your secret for successfully getting the membrane removed? So I watched a lot of videos. I watched a, read a lot of different tips, and by far, the greatest piece of technology that you can use to remove the membrane uh, is two things: the back end of a blunt utensil, uh, you know, uh, and Paper towel, by far the easiest. In fact, when we were recording the video and I pulled off the membrane, Rod didn't even catch how fast and how easy it was. He literally thought I got lucky. And he was like, oh, wow, you got lucky. You got the whole thing off. And I was like, no, sir. I am, I am an expert at this. Yeah, and that's, I, that's not luck, boy. That's skill. <laughs> and I proceeded to do the next two exactly the same way because I've gotten good at it. And uh, it's so easy. Um, so the cool thing, um, so that membrane, you, you buy a rib and you flip the rib on the back and you see that silver skin, that membrane. It gets really tough when you cook it. So you definitely want to remove it. And the reason why you want to use and, and uh, the back of the spoon or uh, I use the back of my spoons, but uh, yeah, any utensil. The thing when you, you say w- the back of the spoon, you're talking the handle. You don't want to use the spoon spoon part. But- right. A handle, handle as long as it's a flat, not like a if you have a square handle or something decorative, you don't want that. You want one of the flat, blunt ones that you used to use when you were a kid. Yes, exactly right. And um, because what it is and the reason why you want it to be blunt, because if it's too sharp, it will cut the membrane and then you will end up not being able to get underneath it. And uh, and what happens is when you get underneath it, the spoon just travels right underneath that silver skin and uh, or that 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 membrane. And then you can pull backwards so you get the tip off. So what I do is I say, okay, I'm looking at it from left to right and I'll take one side, doesn't matter which one, and I'll run that spoon right in between the membrane and the meat. And then once I get it all the way through to the other side, I'll pull it 
backwards so I can so now I have a little flap to use. I'll take that flap and I'll grab a piece of paper towel and I will roll the flap into the paper towel. So now I got a really good grip. And then from there, I will then pull the whole thing from left to right. Um, doesn't matter what direction, but that's just me. I'll pull it out and I'll, I'll keep it kind of low because I don't, you don't want to pull too high because you could potentially tear it. Um, but if you pull it low, then it all tends to come off. And as I pull, as I'm pulling it, I'm rolling the paper towel, the membrane into the paper towel. That skin is so uh, slippery is why you want to use paper towel because the paper towel grips it very, very well. And so I'll just keep rolling it so I don't lose it. And then I'll pull a little bit more and then pulls right off and then we're good to go. And also the one of the main reasons you want to remove it as well is because you can't get seasoning through it. Right. So I season both sides of my ribs. You want to get that seasoning through the meat. You definitely got to take that membrane off. All right. So I know that when you're getting back to basics, you might just do, do you just go salt, pepper, or do you do AP all purpose seasoning when you're so back to basics? I, I would see those as interchangeable and it, all, all purpose seasoning and folks that listen to the show, what Rod was just mentioning is essentially uh, you can buy an AP seasoning. Many got many folks out there make an AP seasoning and it's salt, pepper, usually garlic powder, onion powder. Those are like the basics for seasoning pretty much anything, right? Just like in Louisiana, they have the, the Holy Trinity and it's uh, onions, celery, and carrots, right? For making pretty much anything they make. Um, same thing with this is salt, pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, boom. And so you can buy one or you can make them. I, I used to make my own, but it's just, it's easier to buy it too. So that, so when I start anything new or I'm just trying to revert back to the basics and trying to restart our process, I'll just use either one. I, I, either way, I'm I'm fine. Um, just using salt and pepper or using an AP seasoning. All right. And like when you season ribs, like what would you, what do you recommend people go through like the process? I know for years you're like, I'm not telling people my secrets of how I cook, but you're doing a barbecue show. So now it's time to. Yeah, I'm trying to ease up, up on it a little bit. <laughs> uh, so for me personally, I like to use a sticking agent and uh, a lot of times people will use oil. I tend to use mustard. Both work just fine. Dijon yellow. I just use a regular yellow mustard, nothing too fancy, just a regular French's yellow mustard. And it, you immediately thought processes, oh, well, my food's going to take like taste like mustard. No, it will not. It, it, and in fact, what happens is the, the, the vinegar in the mustard tends to help tenderize the meat that you're rubbing it on. But when you put spread the seasoning over top of it, and I just do a light layer and when I layer, you know, top and bottom, and then I'll spread the, uh, whatever seasoning on top of that. And immediately it sticks to the meat. Um, you don't, and so you end up not wasting a bunch of it. So you raise a good point there. The mustard tenderizes the meat. So how long before your ribs go on, are you actually seasoning them to, uh, so that the mustard actually has an opportunity to tenderize? Yeah. You're, you know, another great question. Um, for me, I, I've done the seasoning of the rib the night before and I've done, uh, same day. And for me, I tend to like the same day rib better. It seems like it just forms a better crust and outside than, uh, letting it sit overnight. So for, like when we had the big barbecue here, I had literally grabbed the, I you know, prepped the ribs by removing the membrane, cutting them to size and all of that. 
and they just had them sitting on a tray. And when it was time for them to hit the smoker, I took them out of the refrigerator, rubbed them with mustard, seasoned them, and put them right on the smoker. So, okay. um, so it's generally during the cooking process, but or well, not right on the smoker. I, I usually like to give it like at least a good twenty minutes, thirty minutes, because that salt, as we talked about before, will start to pull out some of the juices, and then it'll start to get tacky. Uh, really tacky on the top. And then I'm like, okay, it's got a nice, it's sitting there nicely now. So let me go ahead and put it in the smoker. All right. So hot and fast, low and slow. Where are you at? Cook- where are you at cooking temperature wise? Okay. So for folks that are uh, trying to figure out what Rod just said, uh, hot and fast uh, means um, you're cranking the temperature up on the smoker. Uh, usually, you know, 275, 300, and you're looking for a faster cook time. And what happens is uh, a lot of people will do that with brisket and larger pieces of meat. And what happens is um, the brisket, because of the higher heat, tends to pull in on itself. And some people find it to make it uh, a bit more juicier without the, the same length of time. And other people like to do low and slow, lower temperature, longer cook period. You know, you're going to have to experiment with both to figure out which style you like. I've done both. I enjoy both. So I switch up uh, sometimes. But for ribs, I do not cook at a high temperature. Um, probably 250 is the highest I'll cook at. I, I tend not to cook things at 225 anymore. I don't know. It just seems like it takes unnecessarily long. Yep. Um, and I'm not finding like a major difference uh, flavor wise. And I tend to feel like the, the outside crusting that occurs at the slightly higher temperature at 250. So generally 250 is my starting point. Okay, so you put your ribs down, bone side down or skins or uh, meat side down? Definitely bone side down uh, for me. I like because most of the meat is going to be on the top side. I have no need to see grill marks or, um, you know, unlike or like a chicken where you need to really crisp up the outside. It'll get there on its own. So definitely uh, bone side down for and, me. And are you, when you um, when you wrap, are you still the same way? Is it still bone is down after wrap, or does bone go? up with wrap because i'm assuming like i know when i wrap i tend to i spray you you might put a little bit of like a a, um a honey or an agave or something like that and are you trying to get the meat to sit in some of the juices that are kind of created from the wrap or you nope bone side still goes down uh so let's talk about spraying so once the meat starts to cook i usually let it go um about an hour uh before i start spraying maybe an hour and a half and then i'll you know um, maybe not, you mostly like an hour and then I'll start spraying like every 20 minutes or so, um, quickly. I don't want to lose too much temperature. I don't want to be fighting that. So I'll open it, spray it, close it, let it go. And then, um, once it's time to wrap, um, I will tear out some foil. I will put, uh, some butter, uh, honey or agave to me. I like them both, um, uh, in there and a little bit of brown sugar. And I will take the rib and put the meat side into that. So I'll spread all of that on the uh, on the foil, the length of the rib, and I'll turn the rib upside down and put that meat right into that little mix. And then I'll repeat that on the top and then I'll tent the ribs. So I'll you know fold up the sides together and then roll it downwards towards the rib and then fold it outsides in. Very simple. Um, and that just kind of allows that meat to cook down. Um, it'll start to pull away from the bone more. And it'll uh, make the uh, the rib meat a bit more tender. So that's how I do my wraps. And you can experiment. Uh, I've added seasoning. I've sprayed in there to add some more moisture in it. And then I'm finding as much that I don't really need to spray in there as much. But I may just do a couple of spritzes just to, you know, just for the fun of it. 
Um, but you have to be careful, right? Because when you take it out, there's a lot of juices in that foil. And if you're not careful, it'll spill, it'll burn your fingers. So um, I, I don't, you know, it just depends how, how I'm feeling. And I guess last question before we, I guess, try to wrap this episode up. So how do you know when they're done? Because I think for for many of us, I think that's the, that's that, that pivotal point is, you know, as you said, fall off the bone. They still can taste good, but as you know, I overcooked them a little bit, but everybody else loves them because they're fall off the bone. How do you like, and let's, let's avoid the baby back. Cause I know that you're more of a spare rib guy. How do you yeah. know when your spare ribs are done? Like, how do you know that you've hit that point? Well, I'll tell you what I look for, right? So after they're wrapped, um, I tend to wrap again for like an hour or maybe two, take them out. And then uh, what I'm looking for is how much, how far the meat pulled up inwards away from the bone, right? So if you're looking at the bone, if you're looking at the rib and you got the meat, it goes from top to bottom. As it cooks, that meat starts to pull away and then you start to see more of the bone exposed at the bottom. So I'm looking to see that's natural. That's what's supposed to happen. And I look to see, did that actually happen? Um, that's my first sign. Secondly, um, I'm definitely checking the color. You know, do they look dark enough? Do they look not overcooked, not too dark? Third, I've kind of bend them to see how well they bend without, you know, if I bend them and they start breaking, probably overcooked. But if I'm able to bend them, they feel they bend uh, very softly, but they're not breaking. Um, it's a good chance I hit my mark uh, on that particular rib. Uh, and for me, I don't you know, you can tempt them. Like I mentioned earlier, 195 is usually what you're looking for. Um, I don't I don't usually do that because I, I know pretty much after like the first three hours, they're cooked enough to eat. But they're just not to the tenderness you know, that you want them to be. So I'm not worried about whether they're cooked or not. I'm worried about did I hit the exact tenderness in the rib that I'm looking for. So those are the key points. And then for anybody else that's listening to the show and I'm like, well, how do I know? You know, use those as a guide, but only you will know when you bite into it. Just how much you're enjoying that rib, right? If you're really enjoying it, like these are the best ribs I ever made, then repeat that process. If you're like, you know what? I could have done better when I bit it. You know, it was hard to pull off the bone. Then you know you got to cook it longer. You know, those things. All right. So uh, we usually try to give a pick at the end of the show. Uh, and I'm hoping that this show, you actually have come up with a pick for everybody. Did I come up with a pick for everybody on this particular show? You talking like that tells me already you have nothing in mind. You're like, it's like my mind is a blank canvas. <laughs> you could go with your temperature control that you use for your smoker. Not I, yet. Not yet. <laughs> you could go with the, what you use for injecting into meat. There's tons of options. Not yet. Not yet. I'm going to give everybody a rub to try. How about that? That's I like that. Big. That's really good. And I usually do not talk about this at all. But if you, for the all-purpose seasoning that I've settled on, is made by, uh, you, uh, well, he's more than a YouTuber. He's actually a professional competitor, um, Malcolm Reed. He has a great YouTube channel. He makes a ton of videos uh, and stuff that you can try and, and, and adapt from. And his AP seasoning, I actually really, really like. 
Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Rod introduced me to it and I gave it a shot and I was like, this is really good. And I put it on everything. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it on yuca. I'll put it on rice. I'll put it on salads. You know, I don't care. I actually like the flavor of it. Yeah. And again, you can definitely make your own, but, uh, you know, check out Malcolm's uh, AP seasoning. Uh, that that one is really good. I'll give another pick to kind of compliments what you did because you introduced me to something which is called wing dust. Mm. The one I like is their honey barbecue. Mm, and okay. yep. it's it's pretty beast. So if you're looking at uh, just like cause sometimes when you're making wings, you know, you can always just slather barbecue sauce on them or and you're always trying to give different options for that. But I would definitely check out uh, – and if you just go to wingdust.com, uh, you can find their wing dust. And they have a couple of flavors. I know it's like garlic, parmesan, uh, buffalo, and uh, like I say, the honey barbecue is the one that I think is pretty good. I know you have one that you like as well, Chris. I think it's a little spicier. Yeah, that's their uh, – ten- I believe it's their Tennessee hot chicken. I have to double-check the actual yeah. name. So um, just another good idea for if you're looking for something to add to your arsenal um, if you're going out to do a cook. And shout out to all the folks on uh, Twitter showing me their barbecue. I'm I I enjoy looking at pictures of people's barbecue. You know it. Uh, you know my man Jason sent me a chicken that he did. He said it was his first chicken. This thing is absolutely gorgeous. Got a great crust on the outside of it. He even tied it off. Uh, clipped out the uh the wing, the tip of the wing, which a lot of people will do because they're gonna burn up. So why bother? Yep. Really good. And uh, shout out to my man. I will hope I'm not destroying your uh, name, but I think it's Damashi. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's been working on getting better at his chicken. I've given some tips. Didn't quite come out the way he wanted, but I know he's going to keep working at it. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing this and uh, keep giving folks tips and how we like to get down on, on, on our barbecue and, uh, you know, and, the, and just the tech, whether it be high tech or the back of a spoon, low tech uh, to get these get this barbecue done. And if you guys, uh, I'll mention this before, but uh, my man Ill Phil gave us the the music for our particular opening and closing of the podcast. Uh, you can check him out at illfi.com. Uh, anything else from you, Rod? Nope. I was going to say, honestly, thanks for the great feedback. And hopefully you guys are enjoying the episodes. Uh, coming up on the next episode, I think we're jumping into chicken, correct, Chris? Uh, yes. Next episode, we will be talking about chicken. And chicken is a tough topic to tackle because you would you can smoke chicken it's relatively easy it's going to taste good but again when you start looking for that perfection in that perfect setup that's a whole different animal so we'll we'll talk a bit about how i attempt it and uh, i'm this is something i'm trying to get better at so um i think it'll be an interesting conversation nonetheless so until then we out i'll let you guys later peace peace I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 